0: This is a reading from the Gospel of Luke. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age, old age. I've had cold medicine. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country called Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is he, blessed is she, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. All right. Um, So, you've probably heard us talking about it, um, but we just finished our second round of Alpha this past week. Uh, Alpha is a course that was started uh, actually... Uh, by some friends, parents uh, in, in our church, but it, uh, it was started in, in London at uh, Holy Trinity, Holy Trinity Brompton, and 25 like million people have been through it at this point, point. Um, and it's a, just a course opportunity to come and explore questions about the claims of Christianity. Uh, no comment is off limits. No question is off limits. People watch the videos that present little short bits of like what Jesus is saying or the claims of Christianity, or who, who is God, or what's the meaning of life, and then they're like, "That's." totally ridiculous. That was a terrible talk, and I don't agree with anything. We're like, great, let's have some Peruvian chicken, um, which is a huge draw for Alpha, actually. We have amazing food, um, but it's just been, so, <laughs> I see people back there who are in Alpha who, who know that's true. You know you came for the food, and that's fine, um, but God sees that, um, <laughs> and uh, it's done something for me, like one of the temp, like, temptations, I'm going to call it a temptation, even though I love, love you people, Um, is uh, for pastors just to spend time with Christians. And uh, it, it can be a dangerous bubble if you, if you stay, stay in it. Uh, like I could fill up my week with meeting with all of you wonderful people, and it's, it's fantastic, and, I, and I, lo- I love doing that. But there's something really refreshing about talking with people who don't believe what you believe, and Alpha has been that for me. It's just been sort of a reawakening of aspects of my pastoral heart that um, had sort of started to go a little too quiet. And um, one of the most fascinating aspects of the discussion for me is I love to hear how people from totally different stories Starting places describe what God is like, and especially when they don't feel like there's an answer, they're supposed to give. Um, not not the kids' play was amazing, um, but like I just see even in my own kids, like they're trying to give the answer they're supposed to give. Uh, love Jesus, um, and uh, and and we we do that. But just hearing hearing how people who have just eaten amazing Peruvian and chicken and don't care what you think talk about. Uh, Who who God is 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 a powerful thing, and so questions like that we all have is God is God sort of kind of just angry most of the time, sort of stomping around with a clipboard. He's like, um, you know, monitoring our behavior with disgust. Maybe he's like, I'm God. I have to love you, but I don't like you. Um, Or is God distant and too busy? This is one that comes up a lot. Like, yeah, like I'm sure God's out there somewhere, but like I'm not going to pray because he's got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, like the whole world and like. is God like that? Is, is he so busy with the, all that's going on in the world that he, he couldn't possibly care about your concerns or your, your prayers? Those kids? Or, is, or maybe this, is God so loving and so accepting that he actually doesn't care what I do? He doesn't care the choices I make. Uh, he's got a lot on his plate and he's loving and accepting and I'm sure whatever I do in the end, he'll just be like, oh, all right, you're, you're good, you're fine. Um, or is God this mysterious force in the universe that's just in everything, right? And you're sort of like walking through the park, and maybe not actually hands open, but you're like a little bit like this, like, I believe the universe is going to send me a message now, any moment now. Um, or is God like a motivational speaker and a life coach? You're like, this is where I'm going. I've, I've been to law school, and this, I'm on the track for this career. And God's like, you go get them. You get out there, and if you keep working hard, you can accomplish anything, Whether you came to Alpha or not, you have to answer that question for yourself a little bit. If God is real, and I realize there's questions there, but if God if God is real, what kind of God are we dealing with? What kind of God are we dealing with? So we're looking for answers to that, that, that question, those types of questions. Uh, in this Advent season, we're looking at meditations, little sections from the Gospel of Luke. And I think uh, there are some really credible intellectual reasons for trusting the accuracy of the Gospel accounts. And we've spent time in other Christmas services and other services uh, unpacking that. But So if your hang-up is, uh, you're about to give us revelation from, from a book that I don't trust anyway, I totally understand where you're coming from. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time uh, refuting that or responding to that right now, but if that's your hang-up, we have some fantastic resources for you on why uh, you can, with your brain fully intact, trust the accounts of the, of the, of the, gospel, uh, the gospel messages. We can point you in the, in the, in the right direction. But... Just for a few moments, it's Christmas time. If, we're gonna, if, if this is where you're at, let's suspend our disbelief for a moment and just see what type of picture Luke presents to us of what God is like. What's he after in the world? What is in his heart? What is he, what is he doing? What does it say about God that he's working out the birth of Jesus in the way it's being worked out? What is God, tr- have you thought about Christmas this way? What is God trying to accomplish <laughs> By being born into the world. And and, and how is he going to accomplish his hopes? Like what what for God's a win in this situation? Um, So one answer that I almost never hear, especially uh, people at the beginning of exploring, and, and also even talking with Christians, which I do a lot, one answer that I almost never hear about what is God really like, most people don't start with God is full of joy. And I'll admit the God that I heard about as a child, like he loves me, but I don't know that I would have described him as particularly happy, like more like perpetually frustrated because nobody could seem to get it together down here. But do you think about that, that God is full of joy, that we have a God who is happy? Maybe joy is better. Joy, he's full full of joy. But that's Luke's account is that That exact reality, when God's presence shows up, people leap for joy. People respond in joy. God's presence elicits joy when he shows up. That actually, that's, uh, according to Luke's account in the the New Testament, that in the true heart of the life of God is a God who is full of joy. So I want to just slow down for just a moment and try to to make the case of why that is for just a second or two. So we need to remember the Trinity, (laughs) Uh, in order to understand why God is full of joy, which is one of the more mysterious doctrines uh, of understanding the nature of who God is. How can one being be one and yet three and three and yet one? It is mysterious to us, but it also has some profound implications that I want you to consider. Here's this triune being, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, showing up behind the scenes in this story that that we just heard read. God the Father has sent the angel to tell Mary that she's going to give birth to a son. Okay so then the so that's God the Father then God the Son is about to be born into the world as the Messiah of Israel so as the climax of this whole other story and also as spilling the banks of Israel the savior of the world so He's coming into the world to bring the kingdom of God to, to the ends of the earth and to bring in people uh, from every tribe and tongue and nation into an encounter with the, the grace of God. So God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit is how this is accomplished. After Jesus is three years on earth and he leaves, he actually says this mysterious thing to his closest friends and followers, who this would have sounded like absurd to them, they just walked with Jesus in the way of Jesus for three years, and he's like, you're going to take this movement forward to the ends of the earth, and I'm leaving. And he said, and that's better, because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit which is going to remind you of everything that I've taught you. It's going to instruct you, convict you, direct you, guide you, my life in your life. And this, the Holy Spirit shows up in this story as these two pregnant ladies get together and like, oh my gosh, you're pregnant. And then the Holy Spirit. So that's an important clue for us. Whatever you think about God, Luke is saying that he's not a gruff, behavior-obsessed power lord who just wants everyone singing to him out of vanity, that he's full of joy. That he's full of joy because in his very being is deep relationship. And God, you've heard God is love. Well, how could that be true <laughs> unless God is also in his very being relationship? Because before there was anything, God was love in his very being, in his very nature. His nature is actually love. So when you look back at creation, we don't have a lonely being trying to make friends. It's just like, there's no one around in the black void. Let me make something, and these people can be my buddies. Oh, they messed it up. They're not good friends. Instead, we have a, I'm not going to button this. We have a deeply relational, (laughs) we have a deeply relational God at creation expanding in joy to offer us a place in that very deep relationship. It's the name of our church, Trinity Grace. And that motion does change from time to time as the Spirit leads. <laughs> so at Advent, at Christmas, what we see is God moving towards us to reveal Himself. Say, so here's what I'm like. To show us the way of the kingdom of God, to invite us in, to heal us, to forgive us, to make us new. God is pursuing, no, and God's very nature is relationship. God in His project in the world, his project of redemption and renewal, is to pursue such intimate relationship with you and I that he literally fills our life with his life that we come to know his heart in such deep ways, that we come to know his thoughts, that we come to be drenched in his love, that we come to know his freedom, that we come to know his mercy, that you still stay you, uniquely you, made in his image and yet more fully who you were always made to be as you become more like him. It's one of the mysteries of of how how it works. But as you become more like Jesus through the Holy Spirit, you don't become uh, exactly more like everyone else. You become more fully who God has called you to be and yet in this diversity, unity, community because that's the trinity diversity and unity it's reflected in how we're meant to do life so we have this short account these two pregnant ladies getting together shouting for joy and it tells us some very important things about this relational god who is full of joy coming to us in the incarnation so i'm going to just ask two questions of the story and one question of you and then, and then we're going to pray for each other. So first question is, how is the arrival of God accomplished in the world? I've already hinted at that. Well, we'll just explore it for just a minute more. And then what does the arrival of God produce? There's the two questions I want to ask of the story. And then I want to ask a question of you uh, at, that I'll say for the end. It's a mystery. All right? So how is the arrival of God accomplished in the world? The answer to that question is really simple. It's spoken by the angel right at the front of the teaching text. The angel answered to Mary, who's like, how on earth is this going to happen? How is the arrival of God going to be accomplished in the world? The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative who is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said... To be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So, I want to put forward to you that there had been a conspiracy in the Trinity. God had gotten together with God and said, we've got to fix things. And we're going to fix things, and, and we're going to repair the world by making it possible for people to be filled with our life. So to be filled with the holy, holy character of God, and yet people aren't holy themselves. We all have sin, mistakes, brokenness. So we're going to send Jesus to be a substitute, to live a life that people couldn't live on their own, and they can receive the gift of that life, to to die a death in our place, so that all of our faults and mistakes are absorbed in Christ, so that we can be made clean, so that, right, the whole Christian story is not about you just being forgiven, It's not just about you feeling like, oh my gosh, I can put my conscience to rest because I'm forgiven. It's about you being filled with the fullness of the life of God, an abundant life is how Jesus describes it. So there had been this conspiracy in the Trinity, and Luke, especially among the four gospel writers, each of them have some slightly different emphasis, but this Gentile doctor is like, you can't miss that this whole thing is accomplished by the Holy Spirit, When God shows up in the world, it's the Holy Spirit who makes it possible. We are living in the age of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The birth of Jesus happens because of the Holy Spirit. The Gospels are clear that when Jesus transitions from his private life with his family for 30 years to his public ministry, it begins with a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes, he's baptized with water, and then the Holy Spirit descends on him, and we should see everything that happens from that point forward that Jesus does as done in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I know many of you have heard these things before, but and, and I just want them to be simple and present. What is God doing by showing up in the world? Among other things, He's making a way for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the kingdom he's coming to announce and bring is not a kingdom that can be accomplished by natural resources alone. If Jesus had just turned over the message of the kingdom of God to his disciples and said, get out there, they would have lasted only a few days, only a few months. On their willpower, strength, discipline, abilities alone, they would not have made it. They literally need the life of God in the soul of of human beings. And that's what Jesus has come to accomplish. So, if you don't believe me, which you may, may, may already, but I want to flash forward to a scene later in Jesus' life where he makes this really explicit. It's, it's, a, it's a famous scene in John 7, And I want you to go there with me in your imagination for just a moment. We're going to say on the last and greatest day of the festival. This was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a time when the people of Israel got together in Jerusalem and lived in tents for a while. This is still celebrated today here in Brooklyn. Lived in tents and remembered the provision of God for their people when they were in the wilderness. We were thirsty and you gave us water. We were starving and you gave gave us food. We needed direction and you gave us direction. How God provided in the wilderness, in the desert, in in the dry time. So... On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, a couple of quick things. One, You know how Jesus is very strangely always trying to make people be quiet about his miracles? And when people try to grab him and put him in power, he's running away and hiding. Like so many times Jesus intentionally removes the spotlight from him and avoids making the most of a moment by drawing attention to it. He's often saying, don't tell anyone about this. Let's go to the next town before things get out of hand. And yet in this moment, at the climax of a national festival, Jesus stands up at the moment when people have been remembering the provision of God. And he's like, you know what? It's happening Again. And and Jesus stands up in this climactic moment. Instead of whispering, he says in a loud voice, whoever is thirsty, come to me and drink. Right at the moment when the people would would have been remembering the water from the rock, Jesus says, I am going to provide water for you that will become in you a spring. So, the festival was there to remember and mark and celebrate God's provision. And Jesus is boldly saying that anyone who is thirsty can come to him and be filled with rivers of living water. What does that metaphor mean? It's explained. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then it says, in this little commentary note, that the Spirit is going to be given when Jesus is glorified. So we have many examples. David, uh, The Holy Spirit came on King David and he wrote songs of praise to God. The the Holy Spirit fell on Elijah. The Holy Spirit moved on the men and women of God in the Old Testament. But now the Holy Spirit's not just going to fall on people, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and reside. And, And Mary and Elizabeth are first, they're foretastes of what is going to be coming as Jesus is accomplishing our redemption. So, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit He's saying it will quench your thirst and longing, it will fill you, he will fill you, and he will flow out of you. And very simply, this is what God has always had in mind, that your life would be filled with his spirit. The spirit comes when Jesus is glorified. What Jesus does in his life and death and resurrection makes it possible for anyone who believes in him to be filled with the spirit. It makes us able to bear the filling of a holy God because we are declared right before God because of what Jesus has done. So the work of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, because they're the same God, go absolutely together. And what happens is when Jesus is lifted up, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. When the Holy Spirit comes and prompts you very often, he will direct you to Jesus, to honoring Jesus, to lifting up Jesus, to remembering the work of, I, of, of Jesus on the cross, his love for you, your true identity, your true freedom. It, it, In Jesus so you see a bit about how that mysterious trinity operates when Jesus is lifted up he pours out his spirit so very simple answer to the first question God's arrival in the world is accomplished by the Holy Spirit we are not meant to live life on our own strength okay now the whole time I want you to keep thinking what does this say about the type of God that God is if God's real Okay? That was a question at the beginning. I want you to be considering that in light of this. So what does the arrival of God produce? We've talked about how it's accomplished, the Holy Spirit, what does it produce? Well, not gonna spend a ton of time on this, but in large, broad categories, fear or joy. People are fearful when God's presence showed up, or people are jo- joyful. Herod, for one, we talked about him a lot last week, he hears that Jesus is coming and he becomes intensely threatened and paranoid. The Pharisees who interact with Jesus throughout his ministry become, become jealous and suspicious. There are different varieties and variations of fear that come when we encounter the presence of God. And, and very often it's an indicator that we're clinging to another kingdom and the presence of God and his kingdom makes that feel shaky. And so we respond by clinging to control out of fear. Those people who are afraid were present at that scene in John 7 where Jesus stands up and in a loud voice shouts. There were literal spies in the audience, guards sent by the Pharisees, who were meant, if Jesus says anything suspicious, to arrest him on the spot. He comes back. They come back and report to the Pharisees. He was just shouting in the front of everyone at the Feast of Tabernacles. Like, why didn't you arrest him? Like, because because no one ever talked like this. Because what he was saying, like little trickles of it began to move in people's hearts. And the fear or, or joy, right? Mary and Elizabeth, right, so, so fear of what? Just for a second, let's, let's d- d- define it, right? God's presence elicits fear. Fear of letting go of control, right? Fear of not being good enough. Fear of not being truly loved fear of not feeling anything I've had people say to me I'm not going to ask God to fill me with his Holy Spirit because he might not I might not feel anything I'm not a type of person who really feels stuff that much so I don't want to ask and then he doesn't do anything or I can't perceive it and so then that's like ah there's a notch against it again in my mind Mary and Elizabeth and even baby John are filled with the Spirit, and what it does is it produces joy. So God wants to accomplish the filling of your life with the Holy Spirit, and what that does is produce joy. I want you to begin to see a picture of a God full of joy who wants you to share in what he has, who wants you to share in the joy That he's had from before the foundations of the world. So when we're talking about joy, obviously we're not just talking about a happy turn in circumstances. Jesus was a man who was able to grieve. He was acquainted with sorrow. He was able to experience the full range of emotion in life. So joy is not just superficial happiness at a good turn in circumstances. Joy is a deep rooted connection that you know no word from God will ever fail. The best things are yet to come in the promises of God for our life. And that is something that produces a reservoir, literally a a fountain of joy in, in our hearts. So, no word from God will ever fail. God accomplishes the fulfilling of his word by his Holy Spirit. So let me just break this down. If you're thirsty, you can come to him and drink. You can be filled with God's very life, because that's what Jesus has come to accomplish. Jesus' death and resurrection means that you can be forgiven and cleansed, and it means that you are made to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. I said Mary and Elizabeth are giving a, a foretaste of what is available to all people who come to Jesus. So, this is the end question. There's a little bit more, but here's my last question for you. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? If you do, we're going to have people at the end of this service that are going to lay hands on you and pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be totally not weird. It's going to be a fulfillment of what God has been doing in his repairing of the world to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven to fill people with his very life. Now, let me tell you why you might be saying, I do not want that. Reasons why you may not want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One, you already have been. And that's a a common theological discussion amongst Christians. Every Christian who believes in Jesus and what he's done, that happens because of the Holy Spirit. No one comes to the Father except the Spirit draws them. The work of the Spirit is present in every single Christian. There is a deposit of the Holy Spirit guaranteeing the future redemption of every single Christian. And yet, there are still multiple examples of people who are Christians who have believed in Jesus, praying and asking for a filling of the Holy Spirit. So yes, you have the Spirit, and yes, you're asking for the Spirit. (laughs) A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors, is like, yes, you're in the hand of God and you're saying, I want more of God. You've got God and yes, I want more of God. I want all that I can possibly have from God. I want everything that God has for me. I want the fullness of his life overflowing in me, and I have believed and I have trusted him and I have felt the experience of the Holy Spirit, but I want to be filled to overflowing. I want that river of living water to be bubbling up in in my life. If that's where you're at, don't let it be that you're already a Christian so you already have the Spirit. Be the reason you don't pray for a filling of the Holy Spirit. A new anointing, a fresh awakening, a new fire in your heart, a new awakening in your mind, a new renewal of your heart, a new breakthrough from this habit or pattern of thinking. Here's the second one, reason why you may not. One, you already have been. Two, you're not thirsty. Because you've been drinking from other wells. There are many substitute fillings. I was so... Deeply convicted preparing this talk. How often (laughs) I drink from other wells. With John the Baptist, angel says to his father, hey, don't let him have any booze ever. Because he's going to be filled with the Spirit. And that's one of the false wells in the the, the New Testament. It's like, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Because it's such a quick and easy substitute. It's one of those like, you have... (laughs) You have five drinks, you know what you're going to feel. Like good and then bad. (laughs) But you need peace, relaxation, community, courage. Instead of... (laughs) Being filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's just one of the many substitutes. Don't be filled with comfort so you're so satiated that you ignore the needs of the world and you don't understand even the depth of your own need. Don't be so wildly entertained by your Netflix queue that you're not thinking about the condition of your own heart. Don't be only pursuing the results of your career so that you're you're totally lacking any hunger for the deep things of God in your life. Don't accept all these substitute feelings because at the bottom, Bottom of those wells is gravel. And at the, at the bottom of the, of the well, is, of Jesus is a, a river that flows within you. I want to tell you, I've been a pastor for many years now. Full confession, I still deeply wrestle with false substitute wells. And I want the filling of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. When I do things that make me forget who I am, I need the Holy Spirit to say, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. When I do things, you know what happens? I've been processing this with God in prayer is a lot of times those substitute wells, what they do is they just turn the volume on shame up. It's like what you just stop hearing the voice of God's love and you start hearing the voice of shame. You're not enough, you never will be, you're always gonna make the same mistakes. And you know what, it's like God's not saying that, but I've built this platform for the accuser to just shout into my life. But we are still his sons and daughters. And he's saying, if you're thirsty, if you're longing, come and drink. Some of you might say, I'm just not ready to say I'm on board with Jesus yet. And that is important for a connection to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? I'm not ready to say that Jesus is my Savior and Lord. Now, you can, you can ask God to show him, himself to you, but I think when you, when you come to a place where you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it's accomplished by what Jesus has done. So there is a, 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 an ability to say, I'm ready to entertain the idea of letting control, control go. There may be some reasons why you haven't yet. Think you already have been. You're not thirsty. You're not ready to say that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You're not ready to give up the perceived control of your own life. You don't really have control of your own life, except in a very small areas. But we perceive it, and it does feel good to be in control. But we should let it go because there's something better. Let me conversely, right before we just pray for people, let me give you reasons that you can say yes with confidence. Reasons that The question is, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And the reasons you can say yes with confidence are these. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. He's promised to pour out his spirit on his people. He's promised that with those who believe in Jesus, that his spirit will fill them. No word from God will ever fail. So when you ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. Second, Jesus came to accomplish this. The blood of Jesus was not wasted. The resurrection of Jesus does point to the effectiveness of Jesus' death on the cross. And so if Jesus' life and death and resurrection was effective, then what it has purchased for you is a right to be children of God. That's how the book of John opens. To be filled with his life. This is what Jesus has accomplished. So it's not like, am I worthy? Are my emotions ready? Will I experience it in this way? To what heights will I cry? Will I shake? Will I pray in another language? Uh, Will I feel immediately this uh, power to go share my faith? Will I love the word of God more? You're like, can I control what the results of this prayer will be? No. Can I be confident that God will fill me with the Holy Spirit because he's not doing it on your record, he's doing it on Jesus's. Yes And the last one Of why you should do this Is it causes joy <laughs> A baby in this story Leaps for joy Now I'm imagining for the mother That's a, a bit painful <laughs> And yet the point needed to be made God is a God full of joy In his very being His relationship his project of redemption recorded in the narrative of scripture as he's coming after people with his love to win them to himself and to fill them with his life. And here we are sitting in this sanctuary saying, "Ah, not sure that's for me. And that's okay. But some of you absolutely know you're meant to come and be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe sometime for the first time, maybe sometime for the 50th time, but to be A recipient of this joy that's in the heart of God for you, that's more substantial than your moods, emotions, or circumstances. That you can be contemplative and quiet and thoughtful and still receive the Holy Spirit. And that you can be emotional and ecstatic and singing and hands in the air and talking in a heavenly language and receive the Holy Spirit. Both types of people, spiritual maturity is not pigeonholing you into a personality type, it's filling you with the life of God and being. responsive to that, day in and day out, because that's what a relationship is. So, we're going to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is have Eric come up and play some music, and we're going to sort of Pray this as a corporate prayer together. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with your life. And then I've, I, uh, I've asked uh, uh, several people to be up here at the front, people that would love to hear from you, would love to pray with you. This is going to be different than how we end other services. Literally, I'm going to ask everyone that uh, is going to come forward and receive people for prayer to go ahead and, and make your way now. Just let's have grace for one another as people are sliding out of aisles. Here's, here's a dynamic that happens sometimes, is people imagine that coming forward for prayer means that your life is like a total train wreck. And even though your life is a total train wreck, you don't want people to know that. I get that. So let's just imagine everyone that's coming forward is doing fantastic, they just want a little top up, okay? And then when you get up here, you can be honest about if you're actually feeling like a train wreck, and there's such a thirst and hunger in your heart for more of God, and you believe that what the incarnation of Jesus has accomplished is the filling of people's lives with the Holy Spirit. What Jesus has done is made this possible. So let's not refuse the gift. Let's receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to stand And then we're going to be singing this collective chorus together. And I want you to ask you to slip out of your seat and come forward and find someone up here. And they're going to listen to where you're at. And then they're going to lay hands and pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us respond to the invitation of God this morning, church. Why would we not? He has been poured out for us. Holy God, we love you. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that you have accomplished what you you intended in our redemption on the cross, that your resurrection life is available to us now by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that you would fill us this morning with your Holy Spirit, that you would come, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit. That is a cry of Advent. That is the cry of our hearts. That is the cry of this church. Would you overcome fear right now? Would your perfect love cast out fear right now in this room? And may we just receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. I pray that people would have encounters with you like they never have before in ways that are unique to to who you are in their life and who we are as a people. Would you do this not according to our abilities? We have drank from substitute wells. Would you have mercy on us and forgive us in Jesus' name? And would you pour out on us, Holy Spirit, by your great grace and mercy, in the name and on the record of Jesus, amen. Let's sing, and as you're ready, come forward and receive prayer for the Holy Spirit.